What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Very like Brian. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Brian Stone is amazingly intelligent and popular. Just ask him. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Your midweek download destination. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I'm dumb. Yes, my name is Brian. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. All right, well, hello, everybody. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Weekly Dose, available every single Wednesday, first thing in the morning, really, in the middle of the night, the night before. But the design is for it to be available first thing when you wake up in the morning every Wednesday, your midweek download destination. Coming up on the show today, I am going to talk a little bit about presidents and what they've meant to me as a whole overall and tell you a little story about this one time that I had lunch with a former president and the former first lady. Get to that here in just a few minutes. A couple of things, news and notes as we get into things here. At Stone On Air on all social media. Follow me, tag along, hang out. There's a very good chance that I will tag along with you and follow you as well. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get an opportunity, if you don't mind. Uh, I have been talking about since the end of December that Robert T. Nash, a former media guy here in town and um, just a buddy of mine and has kind of a lightning rod in a lot of different respects, he has, uh, we rescheduled, that was my doing because I wanted to get Wayne White in before he left town, and then now because of some legal issues that Robert T. is doing uh, that have nothing to do necessarily with anything you need to know about, I don't even really, I don't know hardly anything about it. It's one of those need-to-know bases, and I don't necessarily need to know. It's kind of that I probably shouldn't put anything down on record that'll be available for the rest of my life through the Internet because of some legal matters. So I said thank you for the least of consideration, and maybe sometime in the future we can uh, do that again. But for now, that is off. Something that is on that I'm really excited about, and it's going to be um, it's going to kind of catapult back into the original kind of mission statement of this concept, the Stone On Air brand, the show was about a local music show when it used to be on the radio. Well, now it's it's not about that as much, but that certainly is part, uh, it's like underneath the umbrella, and I haven't, uh, we had Rick Rushing on in January, I didn't have a February music guest, but coming up at the Road to Nightfall at the Grand Falloon in the second weekend of March and the third weekend of March, it's Friday and Saturday, the second weekend of March, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the third weekend of March, uh, are the preliminary rounds for the Road to Nightfall competition. Five to six bands each night, a winner each night, and then all the winners from the nights will be at Miller Plaza on the 25th of March. The winner that night headlines a night at nightfall. You pretty much know how it works by now. It's fifth or sixth year in. And I'm going to be setting up live to tape recording remotely down at the Grand Falloon every night. And interviewing all the bands that are playing as it goes along in real time with the winner being announced and the show being posted that night. So uh, it, if you want to know the winners and the, the pertinent information, you don't have to listen to the show. You can just jump online and find out or you can listen to the show and kind of organically see how the night went and, and, and how it uh, kind of felt because I'll be getting the bands. Basically, as they come off stage, they'll jump on with me. We'll talk. It should be a lot of fun. So I look forward to that. Coming up here in uh, from the time that I'm recording this, just about a week and a half from right now. Stone Throw segment, I'm going to talk about a festival that you're very familiar with, and I've kind of had enough of them, and I'll get to that here in a minute as well. But what I did want to talk about 
a little bit here on the front end, kind of bookend the show, and on the back end, I'll give you a story about the time I had lunch with a with a former president, is that I really, really respect the presidency. And I have always been fascinated by that position as since I was a, a young kid. And nothing really grabbed me a lot back in my younger ages. Well, not, not nothing. Plenty of things did. Just not necessarily a lot of stuff that people would think is being productive things in life. And uh, that was one history, and United States history more specifically, and the, the office of the presidency kind of grabbed me at an early age. I'm going to ex- tell you more about that at the tail end of the show. But that's kind of where I think a lot of us are kind of really, really concerned with the whole Trump thing. This isn't a Trump bashing show. He's a president. I get it. Whatever. I'm, I'm a white guy. I'm, I'm good. No, 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 nothing to worry about over here. But a lot of us want to respect the president. We want to feel pride. We want to be prideful and proud of our elected officials, even if it's not just the president, from it, from all levels, from our, our mayor to, which hardly any of you are voting for this damn mayor race, which is coming up in like a week. What are you doing? I don't live in the city. I can't do anything about it. But anyway, Trump talked last night. Uh, it looked like it was a State of the Union address is what it felt like. It wasn't officially. It was just a joint address to Congress. And he sounded pretty presidential. It, it went off all right. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he did anything too crazy. It, it was, it was pretty much what you would expect. But most every other time he's talking, he's half the time making stuff up, and just kind of just talking for the sake of talking. He's not saying anything, or he's, or he's, or he's saying things that aren't necessarily true. And there's no motivation for the reasons that he says what he says sometimes. Like, you know, hey, I had the most electoral votes of any president. Well, no, you didn't, dude. I got the numbers right here. You know, it's that's just not true. You didn't have to say that. Why did you do that? And so I think that's kind of where some of us come from, where we're just like, man, this is a hard dude to get behind. I mean, I know that some of his core values of what he says, a lot, some of it does make sense, but it's difficult. And, and when I realized how difficult it is for me is when George W. Bush was on the Today Show with Matt Lauer earlier this week. And he, and he spoke very candidly, and you would not expect to hear this from um, a president so, you know, it's, I know it's been, you know, eight, nine years now, but it still wasn't that long ago that he was president. This is George W. Bush talking to Matt Lauer from today about the importance of the media. I consider the media, media to be indispensable to democracy, that we need an independent media to hold people like me to account. I mean, power can be very addictive, and it can be uh, corrosive. And uh, it's important for the media to call to account people who abuse their power. And that's a very different message than you get from our current president. And I am a defender of the media. I am very much a very staunch defender of the media. I think it's one of the most important things in the history of the United States is a free press. And uh, I know there's a lot of bad reporting and a lot of garbage out there these days. This is George W. Bush saying, but... But, 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 there is a lot of junk out there. It's hard to unify the country, though, with the news media uh, being so split up. When I was president, uh, you know, you mattered a lot more because there was like three of you. And uh, and now there's all kinds of uh, information being bombarded out and people can say things anonymously. And it's just a a different world. So there's there's that, too. And he said, you matter more. He's talking to Matt Lauer and NBC. There was more than three of them at the time, but not a lot more than three. And it is a different world, and it is different. And I had this whole thing I was going to do this week, I'll probably do next week on fake news. It blows my mind when people talk about, quote-unquote, fake news, a new buzzword right now. 
it's been 15, 20 years now that that manipulative information has been spread online just because some of you are just now getting into the social media world in the last like half decade or so doesn't mean it's new. It's like, oh, there's fake, there's fake news everywhere. No spit, dude. Where you been? <laughs> Have you did you just discover the Internet? Are you just now figuring out that there's bogus information all over the internet? Matt Lauer and George Dubb continue to talk a little bit about immigration, and this was the former president's thought on religion in America and the freedom of or the freedom from. I think it's very important for all of us to recognize one of our great strengths is for people to be able to worship the, the, the way they want to or not worship at all. I mean, the, the bedrock of our freedom, a bedrock of our freedom is the right to worship freely. And I am one of the biggest screamers of is freedom from religion just as much as freedom of religion. And that brings in the ties with the Muslim ban and or from the, Mus- the, the travel ban. And I'll, I'll let you guys argue and scream about that. I'm not all that worried about that today, but I just I, I, I found it interesting to, that a man that I used to think really wasn't all that good for, for America, realizing I was wrong and that he was at least his intentions were good. His intelligence might not have been not his intelligence in his brain. You know what I mean? His CIA intelligence might not have been and his influences around him might not have been as quality as I'd like. But George W. Bush is a hell of an American man and, a, and, a, and, a, and overall a pretty solid American president who's, who, who, who I would refer to as a gentleman. Coming up here in just a few minutes, I'll tell you about the time I had lunch with a former president. Looking forward to the road to nightfall preliminary rounds where the show will be recording live to tape down at the Grand Falloon. I'll tell you where the show won't be recording live to tape. That's at Riverbend. Heads up. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? All right. I don't like to alienate myself and piss people off, but at the end of... Or not the end of the middle of last year in 2016. At the end of June, I was fired from a local radio station. And a week before that, I had done a segment on one of the talk shows that I was hosting of how much I hated the Coke stage, the Coca Cola stage down at Riverbend. And I have always been a supporter of Riverbend and a defender of Riverbend all the way up until last year. I think that there's been a lot of really good things that have come out of that festival in the last 20 years or so. But I went on and on and on about how much I hated that stage because I finally had had enough. Blackberry Smoke played on the stage and they were it was it was listless because they just they didn't they didn't know what to do. They're, they they're a kind of band that feeds off a crowd and they were even kind of looking around commenting like what the hell are we doing all the way up here what feels like on top of a building while all our fans are are a hundred yards away. This doesn't make any sense. And so I finally, I had it. And I said, this stage sucks. This stage sucks. And then I put a podcast out on it and I spread it around and it got a lot of listens. And then a couple days later, I was fired. And so a lot of people thought, well, I wonder why I got fired. Well, I got fired because some jackass over there hacked into my Facebook page and didn't like some of the conversations I was having. 
Um, that's why I got fired. But a lot of people didn't, most people didn't know anything about that. At that time, nobody knew about that. So they were thinking, oh my God, did he get fired because he was killing the, the Coke stage? No, that's not why I got fired. But I'm sure it did piss some people off over there. And before I go into this, I do want to say that there are a lot of people that work for the Friends of, Festi- Friends of the Festival who organize uh, Riverbend who are friends of mine. Karen Showstack, uh, Bob Payne. Uh, just to name two real quickly, Dixie Fuller, which I don't know Dixie well. I know his wife better on social media. I consider them uh, somewhat friends, l- the little that I know them. I, I, I value them as Chattanooga citizens. So I don't want people that work for the organization to hate me, but I am just going to finally say it. Your, your festival sucks. Your festival totally sucks. I've had enough. This is the worst lineup that I've ever seen at a music festival Anywhere outside of some pissant county fair. This is garbage. They had a round of uh, the last main editions, and I don't have the list in front of me. I'm embarrassed to even say it out loud. I mean, the, the early announcement of Toby Keith is a huge, awesome announcement compared to anything since then. Don Felder from the freaking Eagles. The one song, Heavy Metal, from that 1980s stupid movie, which it would be cool like if he was hanging out on the Unum stage and was going to be like, hey, Don Felder's here to you know sign some autographs and play one or two songs. He's on the Coke stage. Here come the freaking mummies. There's nothing lamer than getting overly excited about Here Come the Mummies. This stupid band plays this town. They're like Chattanooga's house band. I mean, enough of Here Come the Mummies. On the Coke stage, there's an Prince cover band a prince cover band on the coke stage on the bud light stage at some point in the week there's the yard birds there's no such thing as the yard birds the yard birds once upon a time were an incredibly influential group 45 years ago that launched the careers of jeff beck Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, gotcha great, fun story, interesting Wikipedia entry, but this isn't a real band. It's just a bunch of old dudes with some guy, I guess, who played drums with Clapton once, and now he calls themselves, they call the band the freaking Yardbirds. You want to talk about frauds? Mentioned last last podcast, I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. There's nothing more fraudulent than the Yardbirds. But this is pathetic. This is embarrassing. This city, once upon a time, was known as a city that you skipped. If you were going in the, in the, you know, the, the big circle that goes all around us, Atlanta, Knoxville, Birmingham, Nashville, you, you did whatever you could to skip this stupid city, this boring-ass, bland city. You don't come here. This is the kind of festival I would expect to see in a city that people think like that. Well, finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years, it's finally cool with most every walk of life. And this is the festival of note. This is the festival of record. This is the what we present as, as, our, as our marquee event. This is pathetic. And it's absolutely embarrassing. Freaking embarrassing. The Friends of the Festival is a joke. I'd kill to know what the bottom line is for Chip Baker who probably makes six figures with this, with his position as executive director of the festival. The, the Coke stage is a freaking disaster. It's a VIP party, which if you've got the tickets to get down there, it is actually pretty cool, and I usually do get some to go down there. It doesn't mean I'm cool with it. It completely alienates your crowd, it alienates your festival, and it treats your patrons like garbage. This is a disgustingly run festival from a, a logistic standpoint, 
from a practical standpoint and from a just an overall talent standpoint. It's junk. It's over. Stop. Tear it up. Start over. Hey, we're only like $40 for a ticket. Big damn deal. There's not another festival in this country where it costs 40 bucks to get in. That's not some kind of selling point. Charge more for the tickets. Shrink the thing down to four days at the most, maybe five if you feel like throwing in a strut or something else in there, and get some acts that people actually want to see. In a progressive city, this is pathetic. Oh, and George Thorogood. One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Yeah, hell yeah, here we go. Come on, man. This is absolutely below where this progressive city has gotten. It's disgusting. What a piece of trash. And I'm not going. I am. This. I don't think. I don't think I'm going to go. For the first time since 1996, I'm not going to step foot inside that grounds this year. I'll let you know. I could change my mind on that because I get excited in the middle of the summer. It's my time of year. June's my second favorite month of the year. I might change my mind, but I sure as hell hope I don't because I don't want to support that trash. The Joy Formidable is the only band on the list who jumps right off of me, and I'm sure there's two or three others. I got it. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of really good stuff on the small stages. Not this year there's not. No, there's not. This thing's trash. This is junk. Riverbend has, as they say, jumped the shark. This is a band that's playing all over the festival circuit, except for county fairs, like uh, the, the Riverbend, the, the Riverbend County Fair. Uh, car seat headrest. This song is called Joe Gets Kicked Out of School for Using Drugs with Friends, but says this isn't a problem. They'll be at Bonnaroo, he'll be at uh, he'll, he, they, it's a band, it's a guy, I'm not real sure how many are involved these days. Uh, they'll be at uh, Shaky Knees, but you know where they won't be? Riverbend! Why? Because Riverbend sucks. Have you ever had lunch with a former president and first lady of the United States of America? I have, and I'll tell you about it next. sure you get another copy of that memo. And you are back with the Stone on Air podcast. A little mashup of some past presidents as I lead into the story of the time I had lunch with a former president and former first lady of the United States. It's the first of the month, March the 1st, 2017. This is the Stone on Air podcast. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. Your task will not be an easy one. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. There's one sign that the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Never before has our nation enjoyed at once so much prosperity and social progress with so little internal crisis, 
and so few external threats. Never before have we had such a blessed opportunity to build the more perfect union of our founders' dreams. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we proved once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. These are not just my goals. And they will not be my accomplishments, but the affirmation of our nation's continuing moral strength and our belief in an undiminished, ever-expanding American dream. It is March 1st. 2017, and this is the most downloaded, the most listened to, and the most easily accessible podcast in the city of Chattanooga. It is the Stone On Air podcast. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. My name is Brian Stone, at Stone On Air on all social medias. I ended that little mashup with a particular president for a reason, and I'll get to that here in just a minute. So, growing up, I said there was a lot of conversation on this with, uh, with the new... Secretary of Education, um, DeVos or whatever her name is, and a lot of lot of different talks on online on social media about you know what it was like growing up and how you were educated, blah blah blah, that kind of thing. And a friend of mine, T.J. Griever, who's played in multiple bands all over the city. If you know me, then you likely know him. Kind of put out something where he's talking about how it was for him growing up, and and I identified with it a lot because it was kind of like, well, if you didn't if you didn't average out well. Well, then you weren't any good. Like you were, you know, you're you're a bad student, or you were just kind of looked at as kind of an outcast, or just kind of a dumb guy, or whatever. But there's certain brains and certain people and certain situations where you just you, you latch onto things that really interest you, and then you 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 kind of avoid things and disappear from things that don't interest you. And we both had that in common based on this conversation we were having through this thread on, I guess it was Facebook. And my point to him in, in this conversation was that, yeah, here's how it was for me. When I was growing up, math and science, man, I hated that junk. I was I had no interest in it, no interest whatsoever, and just basically ignored it and did whatever I could just to kind of squeak on by, cheat on the tests, uh, cram the night before, didn't ever actually learn anything. But for me, it came down to social studies and history. And more specifically, United States history, but overall history and social studies absolutely grabbed my imagination. At times, I became enthralled with the subjects, and at certain times, depending on how life was going, I excelled almost to a gifted level. Like, I mean, like hitting home runs, A pluses, and like never missing a beat, but then you go start looking at other subjects, and it's like, what the hell happened? It doesn't even, you know, it's, it's like he's not even showing up. And so I don't, that was, again, a, 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 another point that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. And at an early age, I developed a fascination for the presidency of the United States and, 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 and bought into the concept of it being a res, maybe the most respectable position in all of the world. And, 
having a certain kind of temperament and gentleman-like qualities was very important. Uh, maybe didn't think about it that deep when I was young, but I certainly was very, very uh, interested in it. And I don't remember what year it was. Probably between 1989 and 1992 is going to be my guess. So I, I'm going to say it's probably in the neighborhood of 1991. I was probably 10, 11, or 12 years old. So it was 90 to 92, somewhere in there. Um, my family, dysfunctional as we might be at times, for a long time, still did the traditional family vacations every year. And often it was to Chicago to see our family members in different places like that. But one year, it was to go down to Plains, Georgia, about two and a half hours south of Atlanta, the birthplace of Jimmy Carter, our 39th president. And he was doing a sermon that weekend at uh, at one of the maybe it was the same church he does it all the time I don't I don't remember that I don't know it's like a population of like less than a thousand it's the tiniest little city in Georgia and I didn't care about any of that then I don't care about any of that now as far as the sermons and stuff like that but in this city very old city there's lots of little memorabilia shops all over the place and almost all of it was Jimmy Carter themed and presidentially themed. And I still to this day collect presidential buttons, bumper stickers, all the, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, Richard Nixon stickers on the garage downstairs. If I, even if I don't support you, I still am very fascinated by the whole process of candidacy and, uh, and campaigns. And so I'm, I'm just fascinated in this city and just hanging out and we're doing whatever we're doing. I don't even remember it that well. I remember being a lot of these, like kind of, they feel like antique malls, but they weren't really antique malls. They were just memorabilia shops. And just really caught up in all how cool this thing is. And then I guess we went to the to the sermon at the church that he talked at. I'm sure that's what we did. I don't really remember that part. And then afterwards, wherever the event was we were at, we ended up going to what amounts to basically a cafeteria. I, I can't really vividly remember exactly what the building looked like, if it was like a like a school gymnasium or something. I'm, I'm really not that certain. I can't remember. There's very little photographic evidence of any of this. As a matter of fact, there's only one picture of what I'm about to tell you about, and I don't know where it is. And I and my dad, especially, because he's a huge Jimmy Carter fan, um, he, he he's wants me to find it more than I want to find it, and I want to find it badly. But so we walk into this, wherever this cafeteria-style thing is, and there's a table with a bunch of people, and Jimmy Carter's, at the table, and Rosalind Carter is at the table. Now, I'm with my my mom, my dad, and my, I guess all of us were there. I have three brothers and sisters all younger than me, so they're very young, probably irritable and wanting to be anywhere else other than where they're at. I'm probably the only one of the kids that even cares for this for even one second. And I, again, I'm not vividly remembering how this went down, but I know we walked in, and the only part I remember is a scene, there was an empty seat, not directly across from president carter but like one seat over across to where like you know like to 11 o'clock like if he's at you know 12 or 6 i'm at 11 and it was, i don't remember if i asked permission I, I guess at that age i'm sure i did grabbed my my tray and from what i can remember darted over there and sat down at the seat by myself right across from president carter and first lady rosalind carter and i don't remember what the conversations were. I'm sure they were, these were all older people, clearly. So I'm sure it was like, oh, how cute, or look at this little dude, or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Here's a quarter. I don't know. All I knew was is I was sitting at the table with a guy who used to be the president of the United States of America. 
And at 12 or 11 years old, I understood how incredibly, I don't know what the right word is, special that was. I didn't understand foreign policy, clearly, obviously. I didn't understand immigration policy. I didn't understand ideology. I didn't know what that word meant. I didn't know what what the difference between the parties even were. All I knew is that once upon a time, the president of the United States is now sitting at the table eating lunch, and I am as well. And that's about as much as I remember about it. And then there's one picture somewhere. Got to find it. Got to find it. But one picture of me sitting over there. And I, and I, I, I could be misremembering, if, to quote Roger Clemens. Maybe my dad kind of pushed me towards that more. It seems like I remember thinking it was something that I really wanted to do. Um, and I came up with the idea of my own. Again, I, I am one to say you don't remember much of your childhood. You just think you do because you see pictures and you're told stories forever. I remember when I was three. No, you don't. I remember when I was five one day. No, you don't remember when you were five. But this was double-digit ages, and I, I somewhat remember it. Regardless of how it went down, I thought it was pretty incredible. And from that moment on, I was always really, really interested in the presidency of the United States and its history. And so that just kind of bookends from the beginning of the show when I mentioned how I just I have such a high level of respect and it is hard for me to wrap my brain around somebody who is not somebody who's ever garnered much respect in other areas of life other than he's just really rich. And there's a lot of really rich people everywhere. But I'm not a Trump hater and that's not what this show's about. So I appreciate you guys listening to that. I'm going to get on out of here. This is the Weekly Dose and the Stone on Air podcast. Every single Wednesday, it is your download destination. On the way out, I just wanted to be happy and upbeat. And I was trying to find a new song or new something that we needed to get out there. And I couldn't find one that I was listening to recently. So I said, you know what? Nothing says being happy and enjoying life and trying to unify and get along better than shiny, happy people from R.E.M. Speaking of that time frame, 1991 is when this song came out. So at the same time, I was sitting around having lunch with Jimmy Carter. R.E.M. was putting out songs that sounded like this. And they're also from down in middle Georgia. My name is Brian Stone. This is the most listened to, most downloaded, and most easily accessible podcast. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. And always, don't be a fraud and don't be lame. The truth is easy to remember and continue to watch this space. I'll talk to you again next week. See you later. Bye.